0: I learned a couple of things over the weekend. One, Leafs don't need Austin Matthews, no big deal. Win without him. Ten games over, 500 uh, in games in which he has not played. And two, Justin Bourne is a huge NBA Top Shot nerd. He knows many things about, uh, I don't know, crypto trading cards. Uh, He joins (laughs) us on the line right now. What's going on, Bourne?
1: I, I literally, I text Elliot after him mentioned like, Hockey Night in Canada, I got to mention, it. it's about NBA crypto trading cards, not how I uh, pictured my big breakthrough. But I, I texted him, and I was like, honestly, you just made me an expert. It could, like, I'm no more of an expert in this than I am bird watching. But I can tell you what a Robin looks like. I definitely can. So that's about where I'm at on NBA top shot trading.
2: I, I, uh, I'm too old. I, and I've just accepted that I'm too old for it. No, like, Wait, what? you're in the Even sweet Elliot, spot. Nah, a, Elliot was – the the description as he was going over it, I was like, tell me about a guy who might get traded, please. Like, I, I need not this. <laughs> anything missed. but this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah anything, anything <laughs> but highlights of the dunks that people pay crazy money uh. for. Although I would pay money to hang out with Terry Rozier. Like, I love I Scary Terry. So that was a big perk. I was like, man, you know, if I did have 100K sitting around yeah. <laughs> to just spend completely frivolously on a highlight, I guess I would probably uh, – I would, I would consider hanging out courtside at a Hornets game, the sneaky, fun Charlotte Hornets with uh, my guy Terry Rogier. So, uh, did, do you, no, he doesn't own actually – does he? You actually yes. own Top Shots?
0: What are you yeah. talking about? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, that was the thing.
2: Yeah. Wow, yeah. I'm kind of, told you I was kind of zoned out. I heard Top Shots, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, "It's just, it's like a, it's a sedative for me." I'm like, as soon as someone starts talking about, it, I tried to read an article on it. It took, you know, when you try to read things that you uh, have zero interest in, but you're, you're like, trying to better yourself, but yeah. but yeah, but you end up just reading the same paragraph 25 times, and mm-hmm. then it's just, it just lives in a tab that's never closing. That's that's me with Top Dude, Shot learning. But
0: here's here's the thing: it, you and I are big Bitcoin guys. If we're big Bitcoin yeah, we guys, are. we got to. Yeah. we got to give this thing its due. I love NBA Top Shots. Top Shots did. are the wave of the future. Everyone should buy yeah. them because yeah, okay. the, they're great. Uh, Blockchain uh, the, that, is amazing. Sure,
2: you know when they say the the opinions of the hosts do not reflect the station? That was one right there where you're like, everyone should buy them. And that was, <laughs> that's one. That's where they would like to use the disclaimer. Okay, so I started this show today, Bourne, talking about how Marner, he's got 10 multi-point games – He's fifth in the NHL in points. He's third in assists. He's got ten goals. That all of his ten goals are even strength. Uh, his shot sneaky looks a little better this year. He's got twelve even strength assists, and he just carried a line with John Tava- Tavares played well in that game. But he's been more. He's been less of a factor offensively this season for a while now, and all of a sudden you put him back with Mitch Marner, and he looks great. Before we get into the big question about splitting them that everybody's doing, is Marner weirdly the underrated story of the leaf season so far? And is there anything different about him this year, or are we just kind of seeing the same guy?:
1: No, there's something different. Last year was sort of a sad, lifeless version of Mitch Marner's game. Like I know statistically it was still good, but you can't you can't have watched that and felt it was what you're getting this year. This is the guy that you spent all the money on. You know, this is kind of what you were hoping you would get. The guy who makes everyone around him better, who controls the game, who racks up points. Who, you know, it, this is Mitch Marner and what you thought the uh, the value was there. So, yeah, he's he's one of the stories for sure. But for this team to be, you know, the best version of the Toronto Maple Leafs where you could see a potential Stanley Cup competitor, he's got to be that good. And when he is that good, man, it's not tough to to, to see them hanging with any team.
2: Yeah, I guess that was... I don't want to say it dawned on me during this game, but just how we gave him a lot of crap over the contract. Like this show specifically, me specifically, a lot of crap over not taking a hometown discount, over pushing it to the wall, not being, knowing that he was now open to a higher level of criticism. And there was that whole narrative last year about, hey, the contract hanging over his head and the the back and forth hanging over him. And then the bubble was supposed to be, well, Okay, well now this is gone. We didn't really get an opportunity to see him kind of stretch out his legs. Now that's happening, and yeah, I don't know. I, I always wonder if it's just confirmation bias, if it's me putting whatever I want onto watching a player. But just he was so good, and and there's been a lot of games, and last night was or not last night, but Saturday night was one where I just kind of felt like he was in control the entire time, where he was on the ice, like he's dictating the play, he's in control of the play, he's doing things in all facets of the game, and. Yeah, I just I, – I really did feel like his contract now is is behind him because if you're fifth in the NHL in points and it doesn't matter about the division and if you're the best player on a line with John Tavares who makes $11 million, I, I just don't know how we're, we keep critiquing that. Like I, I, I kind of mm. think it's over.
1: Well, that, I think that's where the pressure comes from after you sign the deal is that no one is saying that – that, that that contract can't be good But you have to play like one of the best Players in the NHL to do it mm-hmm. So I think immediately that pressures a lot to take On like okay well just go be one of the best Players in the league or we're going to tear you to shreds And the reality is he's capable Of being that and he's shown it uh, this year What's so cool about the way he Plays is he's one of like a handful Of players that can bring The pace down a level and make Everyone play his game like it's like Patrick yeah. Kane a little bit to me Where you don't need to be go-go and. a doesn't he doesn't like sleepily wait for holes he can take the puck and slow it down and move laterally and everyone's kind of trying to play at this different I don't know it's in this sweet spot for him but it's he's he's special in that regard
0: yeah yeah And I said this at the beginning of the year when he looked great and that you looked at the hockey reference page from a season ago and you're like, well, that's Mitch Marner. That's what he does. But he didn't look the same. He he really didn't. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And obviously in the five-game series against the Jackets and we went ad nauseum uh, talking about his post-game comments after game one that he didn't show up in, in that game. But this is a different dude. But, yeah, to my untrained eye... It's just like, I don't know, is it a confidence thing with you, Mm -hmm. Bourne? Like, what is it specifically? Because J.D. mentioned the shot, and that's clearly there, and it was a good shot, and uh, Darnell Nurse probably shouldn't have given him uh, so much space, but, like, is, is that the one actual area that you can put your finger on and say, other than just, like, this general look of the guy that he is specifically better this year?
1: Yeah, everything looks, you know, when when he was great as a younger player in his, well, obviously he's still a younger player, but when in his first year or two in the league, he still just looked physically not at the level. Like he's he's older now, like he, he is a, now a good skater in the NHL. I would say in his first couple of years, maybe he wasn't. And, you know, so now he's a good skater in the NHL and now his shot is probably average NHL level, which is not an insult for quality of shot, maybe a little bit better than that even. So I don't know. It just seems like all the abilities he had to see the game, the vision, the passing, everything is kind of caught up to where he's just like in his prime here. And so it's fun feeling like, you know, they have options because he can make another line better if they do want to separate him from Matthews, which I imagine is where this is headed next.
2: Well, how do you not do it now? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I know that there's a you want to appease Austin Matthews, but there's no better way to appease Austin Matthews than having the team win, mm-hmm. and I just don't know how what the case is against having two thirds of the hockey game be Tavares and Matthews, which it hasn't been so far. Like even if you keep these guys minutes higher, you could end up with more than two thirds of it. It just it seems to solve so many issues. And now that you have this entry point where Marner does play with Tavares and it works. When you bring Matthews back, who do you play him with?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So is this a situation where you go back to Matthews, Nylander, and then Thornton uh, up top there and give, you know, I don't know if you want to give Hyman. Hyman's pro- – I've really enjoyed that third line. I'm sure we'll uh, yeah, discuss do. that at some point. But, you know, not not sure exactly. But, you know, would Nylander be happier there? Would Tavares be happier away from Nylander? You know, one thing that um, – That you know, initially a a couple days ago, even last week, I was like, "How do you break up Matthews and Marner? It's too special. It's Gretzky, Curry. It's a great dynamic." I'm Mm -hmm. seeing that Tavares is like a visibly better player. That's convincing enough to me. I am able to change my mind and say, "Okay, if you can elevate that guy to being back to you know an offensive threat again, I think yeah, you kind of have to do that."
2: Yeah, Tavares is not getting shots on net this year, and and now we're doing this thing, and Keith did it, and I get it, and. Uh, CJ actually is the first guy to mention it to me, anyways, that on our show, which is that he wasn't getting enough credit for the defensive play, and he was great in that game. And they're basically they've basically hard matched Tavares with uh, McDavid now in in the matchups. They're saying like this is what we want to do. We're going to put him out there. Mm-hmm. They're saying that he is now just the the shutdown center. That that is part of his role. But that was sort of the role when it was him and Marner together in the first place, right? And if you are going to be doing that then I would rather have Marner on the ice facing off against McDavid and then say, yeah, Austin Matthews and William Nylander and Joe Thornton, you guys are actually the ones who end up having the easier matchup, hopefully anyways, when you actually can dictate this a little more. All I know is that Tavares is, is is not getting a ton of shots up this season. Like, it's just it hasn't been a part of his game. He has not been able to do it. I think that he's averaging, like, a little under two a game. I should have checked this before I did it, but he got eight shot attempts. Eight on Saturday night. I don't know how you ignore that. I don't know how you move away from that. So, yeah, I think that if we like to do what was your show called Leafs Half Hour, Leafs Thirty, um, <laughs> yeah. where we do where we do the line machinations, I yeah. think right now you stick with Thornton with Matthews because I just I like having that playmaker with him there. But I go Thornton, Matthews, Nylander, and then Kerfoot, with uh, Tavares and, and Marner, and I and I just give it a little bit oh, of a I run like here. I, I just see it. I just look at it for five games or four or five games and just see if it changes the dynamic of your team because all I know is that they've put together these two really, really complete wins. And I just think that you have a higher opportunity to do those full 60-minute games if you're getting, like I said, the added ice time, the added four minutes a game potentially of Tavares.
1: Yeah, I really like that. I really like that for the chance that, like, you know, let's give Alex Kerfoot a chance here too. You know, like he's, he's looked better at wing and if we get him going a little bit. Um, you know, that third line, then the guys that you're left with was uh, Mikheyev, Engvall and Hyman. Yep. I mean, that's a pretty dogged, you know, they, they initially started the season thinking they wanted some version of that. I think it was just Kerfoot and Engvall Kerfoot spot was. down the middle. So that, that seemed to work out. That seemed to match their vision for what that third line could do. Be a hard match, hard checking line that, you know, might chip in the odd goal but you don't care because you like what you get even if they don't score
0: I mean the only potential downside is that Matthews has been so great as a 200 foot player this year and and yeah as well as Nylander's going right now and he is going well and hey he's a lot better than some people make him out to be that that is maybe going to be a bit of a bugaboo on that line that at times that he will disappear
2: but they, mm-hmm. but the thing is, is they have a track record together. It's a highly mm-hmm. successful one. If you if you look at the analytics case for the two, like I, I think that Mitch Marner is, is a discernibly better player than William Nylander is. Like I just do. I know that analytics will tell you that they're pretty much dead even. I, I disagree. I think that Mitch is way better. Like I just yes. I I believe that, and it's why at the end of the season I didn't include Nylander as the core of this team. I said that Marner is. He's just a better hockey player. I don't think that Matthews is in a mode though right now where he's going to take on the personality of Nylander. I think it's more likely that Nylander takes on the personality of Matthews and that the playmaking that he brings is a little underrated. The zone entries are terrific with him. I I you just you can always go back. Like that's the thing about Sheldon Keith. This is an experimental head coach who does things differently. So do this one thing differently. Have your team buy into it. Take a different look at it. Take a different approach. See if it works. And again, if it doesn't, okay, great. Then you go back to something that was two guys on pace to be the two of the highest five-scoring players in the NHL. Like I, I just don't see what you – it's just to me it's very clear what you gain in trying this, yeah. and I don't really see what you, the case is for what you lose.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, th- I think it's kind of spoke for itself uh, that we at least need to give it a little bit of a run here. I am, I am curious to know where you're at in your guy status for Engval, who's been good for a couple of days. You have awarded it, revoked it. It's just a mess. With- uh,
2: first of <laughs> all, how dare you say you and act as though you're exempt from this conversation? Like that you're. This reminds me of a Bill Burr joke where he talks about uh, being uh, having his partners be in the passenger seat with him uh and that's you right now where you're like you've been in the car the whole time you've also revoked this status you've also gone back and forth on ingvall where i'm at right now is you're still trying to add a center like that's what this is all about going into the deadline Elliot said that they're going to try to add the best forward available and whoever that is is who they're going to target which makes sense right it's going to be a weird market it'll probably be a limited market you don't exactly know what's out there like I've been trying to solicit opinions from people who know, like, who could be out there? What could they actually be targeting? And it's a mismatch of I don't have any clue. Like, nobody has really an idea right now because of just a multitude of factors. So what I'm looking at, though, if I'm the Leafs and I'm saying, hey, we need one thing this year. What are we going to target if it becomes available? Well, it's a third-line center, and it's someone who can still replace Pierre Engvall or maybe at least bump him down the lineup. He's looked good. And mm-hmm. this is work for him, but I also think that a large part of it is that he's playing with Zach Hyman and Ilya Mikheyev, who are the do-things-the-right-way guys on the team every single night. Like, that is benefiting him massively, and, and I wonder yeah. what it would look like if it was a better player between those two guys.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's really a great question. I am fascinated by the Angval thing here, how there's sort of this redemption narrative for him. You know, I've read a couple of things about how he's found his way from... He wasn't, wasn't even on the taxi squad. He was in the American League, and now he's worked his way back up. I can't see any answer for him being... More like we're we are overthinking this guy in general. I think, and I think he probably best case scenario for the Leafs. He plays fourth line center for them and is very effective come playoffs. Like I just I feel like that's kind of a natural fit if he's playing third line center and he's playing. You know, a lot of minutes, the 15, 16 minutes a night at center is probably too much for your team. So I hope they find a niche for him. I'm secretly hoping that like Nick Robertson comes into this conversation Dude. at some point here and, and everyone kind of gets bumped down a little bit with another another bit of help.
0: Dude, that, I mean, I, I, yeah, I wanted to get to that at some point, but and it, I guess, it's a different conversation when we see what the addition, if there is one, at the deadline. But isn't this team's best look in your mind's eye? And we, have, it's such a small sample. But doesn't it include Nick Robertson? Like, if you want to win a Stanley Cup, isn't Nick Robertson playing a role on this team in the in the playoffs? Yeah. But by the way, yet.
1: did hold on before we do that? Then did Elliot uh, happen to mention like big names like like Taylor Hall? Like, is there someone no. like it? No?
2: But I we're, think that... We're talking no, Mikhail Granlund? No, he just said... I, I think, well, that's the one name that I think he did outline in 31 Thoughts. But with us, when he was on the show on Thursday? Friday. No, it was Friday. on Friday. It was on Friday. When he was on the show, he just said that he believes the Leafs were going to go after the best player. It was definitely Thursday. Um, and he... That was what he outlined. Hey, they're going to go after the best guy. They're going to try to go after the best forward, and they're going to try to add to this group. And that they're all in. And yeah, to me, it's like you're adding one of two things when you're saying the best player available. You're either adding another winger who plays in the top six, and you're just saying, you know what, Kerfoot is the third line center, and and you're running with that for the rest of the season, or you're adding a third line center who plays between those two guys and you think gives you more consistency than Pierre Engvall or more upside. And I should say this too, like, man, I, I like Pierre Engvall lately. Like he has looked good. I I see the same things everybody else sees. And all of a sudden too, like he and Mikheyev are both kind of similarly, like they're both really tall and they're both really long. And so when they're all kind of like in the zone and it's working, you're like, Oh, there's size, there's speed, there's some skill. Like, there appears to be a little bit of chemistry. Like, there, there's things that you could like there. I just think that, again, it's it's a – what are you asking of the season? Are you all in? Because if you're mm-hmm. all in, then I don't think Pierre Engvall is a 15-minute-a-night guy for you. Like, I just yeah. don't think that that's what you're relying on going to the postseason. I just – they're a weird team right now because the Nick Robertson thing, like, this is the way we can factor this in, is, all right, like, if he's your second-line winger – Isn't that kind of a pretty big risk in an all-in year? And if he's not, where is he? And then what? You're bumping Mikheyev down to your fourth line? Like, Wayne Simmons is coming back to this team as well, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and he's absolutely playing. So you have two guys on your fourth line that are there, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt, in Spezza, Simmons, like all things being equal and everybody being healthy. So really there's only one spot on this roster that should be fluid, and it's like, so is that Pierre Engvall now? Like, he plays fourth-line center, and then those two guys are on the wings, and then then it's like, the, where's Nick Robertson? Like, it's weird because they want to add, but there also still feels like there's one or two many, too many bodies.
1: Yeah, it's the old... Uh quantity versus quality thing you know can they do seem to have a good amount of players who can do it can they get someone who also feels like a needle mover you know can nick robertson be that it doesn't seem exactly likely my my other thought on Engvall is just when i about, like, uh, this sounds like a bad way to put it, but how coaches emotionally manipulate people. Like, yeah. when I was a junior hockey player, our coach used to tear us down early, early in the season. Well, at one point, I was, like, I was told I was getting cut, and I was, like, making plans to, like, move, to go play in a lower league, and then they are like, ah, just kidding. You know, and more or less, <laughs> you know, it was different, a little bit more to it than that. But, like, I just felt like I was hanging by a thread. In the last month of the season, like, Oh my God, I thought I was the greatest player in the world. I got Pat, pats on the back. And God, Dude. you're doing good. And you finally found it. And it feels like how they're building up Engval like tear him down and build him up so he feels good later in
0: the season. I don't know. I just watched Whiplash again over the weekend. And mm-hmm. That's the, basically the entire movie. And then, the, the, the I mean, the point of the movie at the end of it was like, it's worth it. And it's kind of like, that's kind of how you get the best out of the very best of people. So, yeah, I could buy that for a dollar. But that's exactly what we saw from that third line on Saturday is exactly in our mind's eye what we thought that line could be at the beginning of the year when it was Kerfoot centering that line, it's like, Hey, we didn't expect Zach Hyman to all of a sudden have the silky smooth hands that he has now, and then score like a Bobby Orr goal, uh, flying across the air. But yeah, man, that if they don't have to score, if they play that way,
1: it's no, yeah, that's totally true. It's, I don't know. This is an interesting team because we're. It's tough to really make a lot of these assessments when they keep winning. Is that like, you know like maybe that means uh, you know simplify and stick with what's working here? But it, is it not like it? That game felt like the least I've ever seen the Leafs challenged in mm-hmm. a long time. Like they kind That's of the just, second
0: place team in the division too.
1: Yeah, and like they didn't take any penalties. They got good goaltending. Every line kind of looked pretty good. Like Rick a lot David of questions.
0: David was minus one.
1: Yeah, like I don't you know, it's it's tougher I think to to really make assessments without once in a while you'd like to go up against Vegas and get your butt handed to you or something be like, "Oh, when a good team pushes us, this is where the the, the weak points are." It's tough to tell right now.
2: I think that if Toronto spanks the Oilers again tonight or Wednesday and they take cuz what, they've played 5 times now? Are they done after this series? I think they are, right? Maybe uh, they play one know. more time. But that that would be it. They would play one more time max. Because they've got two more games in a row here. The level of competition conversation is going to ramp up big time. That that's going to be one of the things that comes out of this. Almost as much as it is about... Because right now it is very much about the Leafs. Because of what you just said. That that was a complete game. That was an effortless game. And they were missing arguably the best player in hockey right now. And it was... Yeah, pretty effortless. And now if you do this again... And the points gap rose. you know, all of a sudden now you're up eight points mm-hmm. and the Oilers are in a must-win spot on Wednesday to kind of be feeling as though they've got to keep hope alive. And then really the only team that can somewhat challenge you, I guess, would be the Jets because of all the games in hand. Like, yeah, I, I, I think that'll become a bigger thing where we talk about you wishing that you could play stronger competition. My, my last thought on the third line is that it's just... This is nice, because this is kind of the benefit of having this crappy division where you get to beat the crap and beat the snot out of teams. Is that you inflate the value of some of your guys? You have your guys playing better, and maybe some of your options you find out are internal. Like my only thing with the Nick Robertson stuff is that it's a, an important thing to remember that he's 19 years old, and believing that he's going to jump in and mm-hmm. and play better than Alex Kerfoot is playing on the second line. I don't know. I just that sometimes feels like a big stretch to me, just based on us seeing him have a huge clapper in a preseason game that Alex Kerfoot, as much as he gets hit with a lot of criticism, I, my bet is he's probably a better hockey player than Nick Robertson is today. Yeah. And that yep. Nick Robertson is exactly lighting the Marlies on fire. And until he does something like that, you're not planning your Stanley Cup season. The, the year where you have had the best chance and probably your best chance ever to win a Stanley Cup in this division, with this format, you have to look at it as, okay, well, Pierre Engvall is nice and Nick Robertson could be good. But they're trying to win. And they have a great opportunity to do that. And so it does have to be all in. Even if those guys look good for you, you always have to be thinking, what's the next best thing? What's the thing that's going to get us closer to a cup? That's why, like, we started this conversation with, where do you put Mitch Marner? Because what Mitch Marner does with John Tavares, like, that matters more than anything else, right? Like, that matters more than your third line or who's on the wing or what they do with the fourth line. Like, this is what you focus on is how you get John Tavares going. And then the secondary thing is, when you're balancing these lines or you're looking at places where you can't improve internally is nice it's a great problem to have but ultimately you have to be looking at maybe some of these guys have improved their value they've improved their stocks you can put them in a trade you don't feel as bad exposing them to Seattle or whatever a year from now or that you get something back instead of exposing them like I I just I don't want to be looking at a cup contending season and be saying the hopes are on Pierre Engvall's ability to play third line center and Nick Robertson's age 19 season where he steps in and plays next to John Tavares it It is too much
1: it is tough to explain to people how like how young players like the time it takes to become a player and, and all the little things that make such a difference and the, the best example of this is going through Jack Eichel's career. Like Jack yeah. Eichel was great from his rookie season on. You could not argue that Jack Eichel was a difference maker in the NHL, but if you go through and look at every metric of his career and I'm not even talking fancy stats, uh the guy just was not he was a liability defensively for the first few years. He didn't know how to play in the league. Uh, he, you know, His team was not better offensively when he was on the ice, even though he got points. All that changed as he got older and he got better. You could see it, and the numbers came around. For a guy like Nick Robertson, like very few people at 19 can come in and consistently move the needle for your team. So, knowing his elite abilities, I love the idea of... You're in the cup final, and a guy goes down, and you've got to plug in one of your guys, your taxi squad, and yep. he goes in. Maybe he finds one, right? Maybe he finds one where a lot of other players couldn't. I don't love a plan where he's going to go play 19 minutes on the second line for your team for 27 games of a playoff run or whatever the playoff run may take and, and, and ask him to keep up that level of top-line play.
0: Yeah, it, it's not going to happen the the way it happened in the five game series against Columbus either. It's not like he's just getting dumped into a playoff series either. If they wanted to see it, they're going to see it sometime pretty soon. You would think And
2: right. they should. And, and like I have no problem with again, the, the more you get into this season and the the greater the point divide or gap becomes between you and Edmonton and the rest I think the more experimental you can be just in terms of trying to research and development a little bit, especially down lower in the lineup. And maybe it does turn out that the 19-year-old kid with the heavy shot is one of the best players for this team right now and that they want to have him up here and he's ready to go. Okay, maybe. I just I just, like you said, I don't think that you plan around it. I think that you have it as a luxury. I think it's a, a, a tool you invoke uh, when necessary, not something that, uh, as of right now anyway, should be like front and center when it comes to what this team is doing. Like, you know, it you mentioned fun, Taylor though. Hall's name. What? Yeah. Uh, it ahead. will
1: be fun to see if he can play somewhere else in the lineup aside from with top guys in the top six. Like, is yeah. there value if he's going to play in the fourth line for 10 minutes for you? I don't know. Maybe there is, but it's worth finding out.
0: Barabanov can't figure that bottom six thing out, but he's got the top six thing figured out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Enough. This guy, I'm like the last holdout. Just like I see no. that he's had some good games. I'm not. I refuse to invoke my guy status. I'm not giving I'm,
0: it. I'm putting the case together. I'm. I'm with a PR firm. We're putting together <laughs> his resume. We're. We're. Yeah, getting ready to drop some leaflets from airplanes. Yeah, we're. We're thinking about the guy campaign for Barabanov. Yeah, I I'm mean, not there yet either.
1: I see I see that he is dynamic. He's got he's got more pop than I thought he had. But like I you know I've said this before. All right, he's looked amazing and had a ton of scoring chances and scored on none of them. So we <laughs> uh, so this is as good as it gets. This is good, very bad off. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they start to go in, and he gets a couple, and then uh, it's still not enough for me. Now, listen, they already have
2: Mikhaev who does more things <laughs> and does all the things and then has the curse uh, uh, upon him of not ever being able to finish. I actually I was thinking about this with Mikheyev the other day. I, I, I wish we had a stat to track this, but has anybody been less successful with more high-danger chances than Mikhaev over this stretch? Like worth, We're 20- worth looking into we're twenty games in to season, and it feels like once a night he gets a like, away. but not just a, a clean yes lo- break in on net, <laughs> yeah. and you think McKayev this is the time, and it's no. never the time, <laughs> and I, I just I. I, I don't understand it because his shot doesn't look bad to me. It looks pretty no. hard. Now, is that and shooting
0: he's... it into the corner? Yeah, like, he's no. falling down as he's
2: shooting? But, <laughs> but, right, he's never – he's not a guy where the goalie, it just, like, hits him in the crest and you go, oh, way to go, Mikheyev, another shot right into those. the chest. No, but it's – I don't know, man. I just – I don't know what it is. I, I Like I said, other than curse, he has to be cursed. Like – it, it, every moment it feels like we're going to end the season and Mikheyev has 20 goals and you go, that makes sense that he had 20 goals because he has, obviously should have 20. And like, are we really going to finish the season and Ilya Mikheyev has three goals on 100 yeah. million high danger chances? Like, what? I don't understand how this is possible. Like, I truly don't. It's the most perplexing it's thing in insane. hockey. insane.
1: And what yeah. I don't even get is, like, Adrian Kempe, this guy in Los Angeles, had a goal yeah. the other night where he took a one-timer from, like, the wall off the toe of his stick, and it knuckled <laughs> through, and the goal, lo- you know, it's just like, you know, it just went in. It was like, how the hell does that go in? Like, yeah. McCamp can't get one of those. He can't I hit know. one knuckle puck through a guy's neck hole or something. It's just been insane that <laughs> oh, nothing will goodness. go in. <laughs> no,
2: it's so weird. I, again, I, I've been watching hockey for a long time. I can't remember... I honestly can't remember anything quite like this to start where every night there's like two or three breathtaking plays from Mikhaev, And yes, a lot of them are shorthanded where you go, Oh goodness. And then it's just never in the back of the net. Like, ah, it's wild. It it really, really is wild. Uh, let's take a break. And then, uh, yeah, we'll come back and, and do what we always do on the show. We'll do a, we'll do a fan favorite.
0: All right. It is uh good shows. leaf hour. <laughs> Uh, Ben Ennis, J.D. Bunkus, Justin Bourne. Good show. Sportsnet 590, The Fan.
2: Yeah. You know when there's Leafs backup goalie talk, it's going to go down on the Leafs hour. Justin Bourne. (laughs) Like, we went through making the lines, step one check, and now we're going to do backup goalie talk again you can subscribe to this podcast on itunes you can follow it on spotify a lot of people listen on google too i never really use google play but yeah you can do it there as well and then uh yeah if you do it on itunes or leave a review leave a nice little five-star banger so born uh jack campbell is quite good and as a maple leaf he's been especially good like You go back over last season and he's been, I would say, far better even than the most optimistic person could have projected. We go back and forth on the thing with Freddie Anderson and how, well, we know this, that he is someone who likes to play a lot and he is someone who is very confidence driven. And while he did get hurt, I didn't think it was a coincidence that when there was nobody to take the net from him, he started to play better than he had in an entire year. How do you handle this if you're Sheldon Keefe? Like, what, what's the first step between figuring out what to do with these two goaltenders?
1: Well, I think the first step is to give Jack Campbell enough starts this season to better evaluate him. You know, like since he's been with the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think he's a 926. Yeah. 918 or something this year. Like his, his numbers have been gaudy since he's come over here, uh, you know, in a spot that they've been they're really sorely in need. So obviously.
2: I think it's nine. The, the guy has. It's 9 starts, but it's, it's nine a
0: 926
1: safe. Yeah. Save. yeah. Yep. And I mean, he is a bright ray of sunshine, right? Like, everyone loves this guy. Awesome dude. Pl- plays his role. Has been great. Leafs needed it. Like, he's just... So he's in such a position that everyone talks about him like he's, uh, you know, Patrick Waugh or whatever. I think you need to play him enough to see if he's going to play like Patrick Waugh because if he is, you got to have some conversations. Like, you know How much hockey do we want both of these guys to play? I know you mentioned Freddie Anderson likes to play a lot and has success playing a lot, but he's also mentioned in playoff losses that he felt like his body was kind of cooked by playoffs. So who cares what the guy likes if he's going to make comments about not feeling fully rested uh, come playoffs. If you are going to be in first place, it's a condensed season and there's a chance to give him more rest so he could be at his best come postseason. That's what you got to do. So you start by giving Campbell more starts
0: i'm with you and if that affects him in a negative way as far as his routine or where he's at with his belief uh uh, of where he stands in the pecking order and the hierarchy of this organization and whether it affects his ability to increase his free agent stock like that's all besides the point i think you just go back to the way the season started remember that was that was and the he wasn't at his best, but the Leafs were still winning games. Uh, granted, first game of the season against the Canadians wasn't exactly... Uh, there's a, a stark difference in the way the Leafs have played since uh, than that first game of the season, which was sloppy for everybody, obviously, with all the time off. But you go back to the plan to start the year, which was, hey, Jack Campbell, once, twice a week. This is It's not a total 50-50 timeshare, but that's the whole reason you went and, went out and got this guy. And if, I'm sorry... Freddie if the, if that's no good for you then you're you're going to start leaking even even more time to this guy.
2: Well, twice a week is a timeshare. Like what you just outlined is a 50 like how many games do you think there are in a week? Like that's that's him getting half of the games, Ben. So I don't think that you're doing that. Um I I just I almost feel like they're going to have to pump Freddie Anderson's tires a little bit more here. Like that obviously Jack Campbell is just like a really popular guy in the room. He's a lovable guy. He's like Seems to be the teammate, right, who gets behind everyone and they love winning it for Soupy. And that's the whole joy of that win and during that game is everyone just seems to adore this guy. And in a weird way, coming off of his best play in over a year, I think there's more pressure on Freddie Anderson than there has been like since he became a Toronto Maple Leaf. Like, truly, like, non-playoffs excluded. He was playing well. He's dealing with an injury. He comes back, and the team just won a couple of games with Michael Hutchison and Jack Campbell got a shutout. He's got his most serious competitor when it comes to sharing the net. He's in a contract season, and the Leafs just proved that they have a formula to win where they really don't need above-average goaltending. They just need it to be solid, and if you're not providing that, like, who knows where the hell they go with this thing? So... Yeah, I just I I do think that there is some kind of a, who, like yeah, there there has to be a little bit of coddling here. I I just think that they're like they actually have to do that. They have to make sure that it is very very established that he is not in a goalie battle, even if he is in one. If that makes mm-hmm. sense.
1: Yeah, no, it does. I, part of being a coach and a manager is managing your personalities and expectations and keeping everyone. In a good headspace. So whatever that means for Freddie, you know, I I sit here thinking about all this and I have the small concern that you talk yourself into Jack Campbell as a Campbell or as an Anderson replacement because he's cheaper and all of a sudden you can do X, Y, Z the rest of your roster if you save some money and then you don't have good goaltending. You know, I I still think that Freddie Anderson is one of these guys that's like a dependable starter and, and can be for you over long periods of time. I don't know if Jack Campbell can be. You know, they, Are they in a, a position next season where, with their salary cap where it sh- might be worth finding out? I I, maybe, but you sure like to find out this season. So sure, coddle Freddie Anderson as much as you like to, but you sure need to know what Jack Campbell is before you go into this offseason and decide what to do with Freddie's next contract
0: that that's two things though yeah and i'm I'm with you and to begin the season it was two starts for Freddie, one for Jack Campbell, three starts for Freddie, one for Jack Campbell and then he got hurt so it was yeah, it was about once a week um if you're gonna go back to that but that's that's the thing uh I don't think you unequivocally just hand the reins over to Jack Campbell without a a backup that's gonna push him, but this is. We're going to head into a portion of the season if things continue this way, and we've talked about it routinely, about experimenting and seeing what you got and not just an eye on this season, but an eye for the future. And at this point, I mean, he's in the organization, and he's played exceedingly well, and the the career numbers overall are pretty good. And there's a guy with pedigree in Jack Campbell. He's the leader in the clubhouse to be the goaltender for this team uh, next year.
2: but But that's so dangerous, too, is like now you're playing with the sensitivities of someone who's like, hey, I've been an awesome Toronto Maple Leaf. And now you're going to just try and play this guy and hope that at less than 2 million bucks, he can be your starter next year and you can jettison me to wherever. And I have to hit free agency without my own team being a suitor. Like I get less of the net, less ability to show what I can do. And you're using these games in a year where there's a ton of pressure on this team mm-hmm. to figure out if you can go cheap and net. Like I, I just, I think that sometimes when we do this, we forget that these guys are human beings and that Freddie Anderson is probably fairly in a fair to feel like he's been taken for granted and fair to feel like he's not being treated properly. If all of a sudden the Leafs are saying, yeah, we're using this season to find out if we don't need to re-sign you next year. Like that is not a great message you want to be sending to that goaltender, Ben. Like it's not black and white. No, it's not. That it's also pro sports to say like, "Hey, you give your best players the net, and you let your best players decide games." Mm -hmm. Like far more than it is thinking about what next year could hold when you're not in the Canadian division with your two million dollar goaltender that you're going to need another guy anyways. Like you just said, like there's nothing Jack Campbell can prove to you this season that's going to be like, "Oh well, uh, he's definitely the starter of next year," and you feel great about it. Like what? How could that even be?
0: But nobody's saying hand him the reins right now, right? It's, again, like it's once a week, it's twice a week, and then if, if it turns yeah. out that Freddie can't handle that and his play slips, then, yeah, it is a it is a meritocracy. I view it that way, despite I, I, how I, well I he's think played. that's
1: I think that's what you hide behind, though. Like, you hide behind... Uh, rest and maximizing Freddie yeah. for playoffs, and you sell it to him as, look, yep. you you know here's a quote that you made after we lost to the Boston Bruins in the playoffs. We don't want to put you. You're older since then. We're not going into this in a position where, um, you know where you're used up and our best goaltender isn't ready, Freddie. We need you at your absolute best. So we're trying to put you in a position to succeed here. Uh, that's the sales pitch, and and also that you're in first by hopefully by so much, you know, soon enough you can say, all right, man, there's no. Reason Reason for you to play this much hockey. So it naturally can happen that way. Except if I'm
2: Freddie Anderson, I'm looking at this and saying, hey guys, uh, this is a 56 game season, so I'm going to play less than I do every single year, anyways. I've now missed a couple of games due to injury. I don't want to play back to backs. I agree with that. Like we got one coming up here, and it's Edmonton, then the Canucks this week, right? Like you play these two games. I still want my back to backs off, but I want to prove that I am a workhorse goalie. And this season, it's impossible for me to have the workload of years past like the the schedule limits it there there's only a certain amount of things i i almost be, I almost believe that at this point the what you do is you look at the schedule for the next like I don't know two weeks at a time or something, and you say this back to back is going to be Jack Campbell, and then there's another night here where it's like three games and four nights or three games and five nights or something like that, and you see one of these is going to be Jack, it's going to be X, but then the rest are yours. Like, you're mapping this out and you're already showing him. So, like, he knows the days that he has the net. He knows he's the number one guy. And yet, Jack Campbell is still getting worked in and he's playing. Like, I'm just sorry. I just think that you cannot find out if Jack Campbell is a starting goaltender this season without playing him a ton. And you're not doing that. So, the research and development thing for the backup goaltender, like that, that's a non argument for me. Like, this is again a Stanley Cup season where you need to figure out how is your best chance of winning. And your best chance with Freddie Anderson so far, everything that we have seen is Mm -hmm. that that guy likes to play and that guy likes to not feel as though he is challenged. And when he did last year, he slumped. No, but he's also not again.
0: He, he's also coming off an injury, right? This is part of it too. You're trying to keep him mm-hmm. healthy. That's the whole reason. And Campbell's coming an injury too. But yeah, this is. But yeah, he played the more than
2: any other goalie. He's not doing mm-hmm. that. He's just yeah. like he's going to ramp down his starts. He's not playing. You know what was it? Ten straight games that Freddie Anderson played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Was but J.D., you're
1: talking about this being a shorter season, so you're going to play less than you normally would every way. It's also yeah. a condensed season, yeah. so it's impossible yeah. to to say to not have the guy be understanding about having more nights off than he would prefer or whatever. I think there's a sports science department you hide behind, a tight schedule you hide behind. Your point is, I think we're kind of making the same point, that you go to the schedule and you say, ah, just the way it is, Freddie, you know, we want to give you that every night, but there's back-to-backs, there's three and four, there's going to be enough starts for Campbell to at least get some sense. You're right, it's not going to be enough to say, hey he's going to be our starter, but at least you can you can have some way of validating it.
0: It's an easy sell because it's true, right? Like, it is true. It's not right. like it there's true. nothing, there is nothing nefarious about this because I, I truly do believe Frederick Anderson's the better goalie, and I think the Toronto Maple Leafs believe he's the better goalie, gives him the better shot of winning a Stanley Cup this year. But I also think that they, if the, he can get around to it mentally of having this guy play more than he's used to his backup playing, that that gives them the best chance of seeing the best Freddie Anderson come the summer.
1: That's yeah. All. No, no, it's absolutely true. I, I mean, I think that's that's what we're going to see here, something like that here coming forward for the next, what do we got left? 30 games, 20-some uh-huh. games? We're probably going to see Jack Campbell play eight more games if everyone's healthy, something like yeah. that, maybe 10. And eight.
2: Yeah, I think that's about right. I think that's about right. You're just trying to make sure that Freddie Anderson is his best for the end of the season. You have to do that the best way you feel possible. I just think it's always really complicated when you do these things about how much should I play versus how much you want to play. And that, yeah, I'm sorry, the, but the contract year stuff does cha- change things a bit. And, yeah, I would say to those players in the Toronto Maple Leafs dressing room, like, make sure you show Freddie Anderson the same amount of love that you show yeah. Jack Campbell. It's like, it's going to get <laughs> very
0: slippery if, you know, this guy's but- been- his uh, biggest he's like, oh, earning
1: I'm a UFA by yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but the biggest thing his agent is going to sell teams on is playoff success, right? That's the bugaboo about Freddie Anderson. Big games. If he is at his very best and comes through in is. a couple of playoff series, I do. Like we've but why? Seen him why put- would
2: you, as an agent, sell a small sample size? You'd be selling the fact that like he regularly, over a large sample, is a very good goalie. Yeah, but anyway, we already
0: know that. We already know yeah. that. I like, know that. You yeah. you don't know that.
2: You think that pretty- Barabanov got, or sorry, that uh, Bobrovsky got paid because he put together one playoff series? Like, no, it's because you put together, like, a track record. I think I think Freddie Anderson's getting paid regardless unless he completely craps the bed for the entire season. But either way, like, I, uh-huh. I, I don't Clip want him thinking quote. about this. Clip
1: it for but, when it happens. Yeah. But this is <laughs> but this is the
2: point. It's like I don't want him thinking about any of this stuff. I don't want him and his agent to be thinking about things as he's trying to think about a Stanley Cup and, and where the puck is going in a game. Like, that's it. That's yeah. all I want on Freddie Anderson's mind. I don't want him thinking, do the guys like Jack Campbell more than me? Or do they want Jack Campbell in here? Or am I going to get enough starts? Or am I going to be doing Seems this? He's pretty likable. I, I, I just want like him to focus on one thing, and that is stopping the puck and doing it to the best of his abilities. Last thing before we go. And we probably should have left more time for this, but it'll be short and sweet, and maybe that's uh, going to be a good thing. You wrote a really good article on William Nylander, and... It had a lot of, I thought, good reception. It wasn't um, the standard cesspool that you normally see around it. And again, I don't know everything because, you Mm -hmm. know, you don't see everything and you try to stay away from some of it. But I kind of feel as though since Sheldon Keefe had that quote about William Nylander and basically put it out there to everyone about him being judged a certain way and he needs to understand why that is, that the dialogue around Nylander has improved. And I don't yeah. want to I don't want to jinx a good thing, but I actually believe that everyone has sort of taken a step uh, from to the middle. No. <laughs> but people have started to take a step from if you were a full hater, you're like, "Okay, you know, obviously he's good cuz he can do that." And if you were a complete believer, it's kind of hard that oh, what you're the only person that sees William Nylander rude, for who he coach. really is, which is the best player in the NHL, like I I think that yeah, we're we're finding the common ground, and now we can actually talk about this guy in I think
1: m- more normal terms. Yeah, it's it's great. It's it's almost like people can handle the truth about yeah. people and their inconsistencies. <laughs> like yeah, he was like yeah, he's he's you know, got some the you know, compete issue. He's sometimes it, it's on him. Sometimes he's great, and people are wrong. It's like yes, that's the thing. So no, it is yeah, my. <laughs> My response to that article was uh, overwhelmingly positive. There's always still people, uh, you know, with lots of. Uh, I guess the, the, the true Nylander lovers are bizarre. They are mm-hmm. really dug in. Oh, I know. The, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, they're harder to deal with than the people who hate Nylander. So, uh, generally, though, 99, well, 95 percent of the reception to that was good. And I think you're right. The the conversation around him is
0: improving. Yeah, there's middle ground in conversation. Turns out there's shades of gray. How about that? Uh, Borny, uh, this was great as always. Thanks, buddy. See you All next right, week. gentlemen, talk to you soon. See you, man. Sounds good.